One more time. That's a little better. That's a little better. How many of you are familiar with that sound? Anybody? Yeah. What kind, what kind of feelings or thoughts does it bring to you? For some of you who, who maybe, anybody in here raised on a farm? And, and maybe it takes you back, and it's like, you know, that's a, that's a good sound. I can remember that rooster crowing and, and getting up in the morning. For others, you're like, nah, that's not a part of my life. Actually, that's quite irritating when I hear that. Um, we stayed in a, uh, a resort in Pigeon Forge one time, and, and uh, my whole family, and, and we were laying there in bed at like 6 o'clock in the morning, and we're on vacation, everybody's trying to sleep in, and Suddenly this rooster just lets go right out in front of the house. And, and uh, the next morning, same thing again. And then we see this rooster running around. And we were informed that he just comes with the territory. So you just have to get used to it. And uh, something we didn't really bargain for. But for the person we're going to look at today in today's story, Peter, I'm sure that for the rest of his life, after the crucifixion and the resurrection of Christ, that sound brought back memories of something else. You know the story, right? We're going to look at it in depth. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for allowing us to come and, and to worship you with the full knowledge that you are the good, good Father. With the full knowledge that we are loved. We thank you for the baggage that we bring here today because we know that we don't need to leave here with it. We thank you that through what you have done for us on the cross and through the resurrection, that we can leave all of that junk with you today and walk away as white as snow, walk away forgiven, knowing that we serve a God who not only loves enough to forgive us, but has the ability to do so. This morning, speak to our hearts and change us, make us into the people that you need us to be. It's in Jesus' holy and precious name we pray. Amen. For Peter, there's no doubt that that sound of a rooster crowing for the rest of his life probably was a bit of a haunting sound, reminding him of that very dark time of yielding to his selfishness and his sinful self and betraying his best friend, betraying his teacher, and betraying his Savior. If you go to Matthew chapter 25, 31 through 35, we, we see this scripture, which is kind of the scene we're looking at today and, and figuring out who is Jesus as we've been doing for the last month or so. And, and in Matthew 26, 31 through 35, we have this, this Peter is coming right after the Lord's Supper, the one who has made the proclamation that I will die for you. I will do whatever is needed of me, Lord. And, and yet then in Matthew 26, 31 through 35, we begin with the words of Jesus who says, This very night you will fall away on account of me, for it is written, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. But after I have risen, I will go ahead of you into Galilee. And Peter replied, Even if all fall away on account of you, I never will. I tell you the truth, Jesus answered, This very night before the rooster crows, you will disown me three times. But Peter declared, even if I have to die with you, I will never disown you. And all the other disciples said the same. And now if you fast forward to Matthew chapter 26, staying in the same chapter, down to the end of the chapter in verse 74 and 75, we read this, talking about Peter. Then he began to call down curses on himself, and he swore to them, I don't know the man. Immediately a rooster crowed. 
Then Peter remembered the words Jesus had spoken. Before the rooster crows, you will disown me three times. And he went outside and he wept bitterly. Now, now just to be refreshed on the story, you know, Peter is not just some sort of casual follower of Jesus who messed up a little bit. Peter is not some kind of guy who shows up to church once a month and, and lives his life however he wants to live. This is the Peter that had walked with Jesus for the last few years, had eaten virtually every meal with Jesus. This is the Peter who had listened to the teachings of Jesus, who had sold out wholeheartedly to be a follower of Jesus Christ, who had seen the miracles, who had proclaimed his faith in Christ as the Messiah, and the one who just before had said, look, if everyone else disappoints you, I will never disappoint you. If everyone else runs away from you, I will stick with you. Even if I have to die, I will stay with you, Jesus. Even though he pledged to follow Jesus, though, when times got tough, he looked out for himself. You ever been in that situation? Ever been in that situation when although you claim Jesus as your Lord and Savior, although there is that time in your life when you have said he is in charge and you will live for him, have you ever felt that shame of disappointing him? Or, or maybe just before we go that deep, let's talk about the shame of letting someone else down that you love. Have you ever had that awful nagging and gnawing feeling that comes when you know that you chose to save yourself and let someone else down? When I was growing up, I had to, as many of you probably did as well, I had to walk to the end of my road and, and wait at the bus stop, or the bus house, we called it, for the bus to come. And that was an amazing cultural experience growing up with kids who were much older than me and as I went through school, much younger than me, cliques of kids that got along and other kids that didn't get along, about 15 of us in our neighborhood. And there was one girl in our neighborhood who everybody picked on. Everybody called her a very derogatory name and made fun of her. She had some kind of setbacks in her life, and she wasn't exactly the same as everybody else. She had some struggles, and, and so as a result, she was picked on all the time. And I never did that. I always stood up for her. I always spoke to her. I always tried to, to be a friend to her until one day, in the midst of my friends all picking on her, I discovered that if I didn't at least say something bad toward her, I would be ostracized from my group. And so I did it. I still remember it. I still remember it all these years later, that one day when I looked at her and I said something, it really wasn't even that bad, but it was bad enough to see the look in her eyes when the one person who always stuck up for her betrayed her. Later in life, I had to go and apologize to that lady, a grown lady at that time, because it had bothered me all those years that I had betrayed this person who I had befriended. Have you ever been there? Have you ever let that person down so much and you know you let them down? And you did it only out of selfishness? You did it because of peer pressure? You did it because someone else was watching or whatever? Then you can probably understand a little bit of what Peter is struggling with in this passage. He denies his Lord. He denies his Savior. And the scripture says, as the rooster crows, he weeps bitterly. Now, now, this might tell us a little bit about the struggle of living in the kingdom of God 
right now. Last week we talked about that a little bit, that, that Jesus, who is Jesus? He is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And that if we are obedient to him, we are living in his kingdom. And we've learned he's the bread of life, the very sustenance of all we need. He's the son of man, one who understands us and feels our pain and, and celebrates our celebrations. He's the son of God. He is God himself. He's the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And as we begin to think about this whole kingdom idea today and next week and Easter Sunday, today I want to look at a title that I hope you can uh, say, and I hope it's personal, I hope it means something to you. And it's not really a, a biblical title like we've been looking at, and yet it is, because today I want to look at, very, at two words, and I want every one of you in here to be able to say this, that Jesus is not just King of kings and Lord of lords, but he is, read it, my king. Now this makes it very personal, doesn't it? This, this makes uh, uh, what is right about living, if you will. This makes living in the kingdom a, a proper relationship with the king when we can say, he is my king. And Peter, I think, could, would tell you very plainly that he was his king, that he was his Messiah, that he was his Savior, and yet he messed up. And so we're going to look a little bit today about what it means to, to live in the kingdom, what it means to, for the kingdom to be kind of defined by the king and what that means for us every day. And we're going to learn about it from Peter's failure. Because the first thing that we see from Peter's failure is this, that living in the kingdom of God requires a continuous choice. You see, in this kingdom, when we are supposed to be obedient to our king. When, when we had that day in our life when we said, he is my Lord, he is my Savior, and, and my guess is that many of us like him being our Savior much more than we like him being our Lord and our King. We like being saved from our sin. We like the idea of eternity in heaven. We like the idea of his abundant life here. Sometimes we don't like so much that we are not in charge anymore, that we are not the ruler of our life, that we are not the Lord of our life, that he is. But living in the kingdom of God requires a continuous choice to say that he is my king. There are deceitful agents in the kingdom that live among us, and every single day we are faced with the choice to live in such a way to fulfill the prayer that Jesus prayed in the scene we looked at two weeks ago, either thy will be done, Lord, or to betray him with my will be done. And for some of us, thy will be done it's kind of a passive prayer, but, but it's not. When we look at Jesus praying this prayer, we see that thy will be done is not a passive prayer. When Peter is making his proclamation uh, to Jesus in that upper room, it's, it's not a passive thing. Okay, Lord, have your way. It is I will obey you. I will make sure that your will is done in my life. I will serve you as my king. Years ago, you remember the controversy of Jessica Hahn, the, the, the woman that posed in Playboy that was related to, to James Baker and all that mess. And I remember this from being a teenager, that she did an interview and she said this, God gave me peace in my prayer about posing for Playboy. Think about that. How many times I've sat in my office in the church and, and people have come to me saying, I just want to know what God's will is. And what they're really saying is, please tell me that what I'm doing is God's will. Because I already know it's not. And I just need someone to validate what I'm doing because I feel so horrible 
Because I want to do this thing that I want to do, but I know it's not what God wants. And so many times I would look at him and say, look, it's not about figuring out God's will in all this other part of your life. You already know what you're doing that's not in his will. Stop that first. Well, we don't want to talk about that, right? Lord, thy will be done as long as it doesn't get too personal. Lord, thy will be done as long as it doesn't encroach upon my life too much. Lord, thy will be done in kind of a passive way. It's kind of like sitting in a, in a restaurant with a hamburger in your hand and you see that little homeless boy come in who appears to be hungry and you're like, Lord, thy will be done. Feed that boy. Give him something to eat. That is, that is a horrible looking sight as you take a bite of that burger. Thy will be done is not a passive prayer. Thy will be done is a personal commitment that I will do thy will. That's what Jesus was praying in the garden. He wasn't praying, Lord, have your way. He was praying, Lord, I will obey as you have your way. If he is my king, I make a choice every day that thy will be done rather than my will be done. And God has already revealed a great deal of his will to us. And so trying to seek all of his will in our life usually begins just with those things we already know he wants us to do. Those things we already have felt his calling and his conviction just to live our life in a way that says thy will be done and I will do thy will. There's a verse that says, I am not sent a pilgrim here, my heart with earth to fill, but I am here God's grace to learn and serve God's sovereign will. He leads me on through smiles and tears. Grief follows gladness still. But let me welcome both alike since both work out his will. No service in itself is small, none great, though earth it fill. But that is small that seeks its own and great that seeks God's will. Then hold my hand, most gracious Lord, guide all my doings still. And let this be my life's one aim to do or bear thy will. Listen to those words. To do or bear Thy will. I love the fact that you've got a couple going to Haiti on this mission trip. I love the missional mind that, that you all have as a congregation to work in your community and around the world. That's awesome. I'll never forget taking a group of teenagers to Washington, D.C. And, and having this girl come up to me who was a, a problem child with her parents. She had basically no use for her parents. Her parents were, as many of our parents were when we were 14 and 15. We had no idea how they were even smart enough to get out of bed in the morning, right? And she could not figure out that on her own. And, and she was completely disobedient to anything they wanted her to do. And, and she was living her own life and living her own will. And, and as she went on this mission trip, she totally broke down. And she came to me in tears one night and she said, God has gotten a hold of me and God has said to me, you are living only for yourself. Her name was Courtney. You are doing Courtney's will. I need to do God's will. And Can I please use the phone? That was back before cell phones, and we didn't let them call home unless there was a, a specific need, and I had to go unlock the office of the church we were sleeping in and let her call her parents and listen in on the phone call as she, through tears, begged her parents' forgiveness and said, Look, Mom and Dad, I'm so sorry. I've been so selfish in the way that I've been living. And, you know, that girl really did change. It wasn't just a week-long thing. I thought about that so many times. Why, when people go on mission trips, do they see God act in so many awesome ways? Why do we have to go so far away from home to see that happen so often? 
I think it is because when we go so far away from home, we expect it. When we go so far away from home, we focus on it all day long. God, what do you want me to do? God, what is your will? God, how can I minister to this person that you've put in front of me? And when we live that way for a week, it changes our lives in just a matter of days. Imagine with me if we just lived with him being our king every day here. And every day we said, thy will be done, not mine. Every day was today, I'll give my life to your mission, God. Today, everyone you bring in my path, God, show me how to minister to them. Thy will or my will, O Lord. It's hard though, isn't it? It's hard. I mean, every single day, it's hard to choose God's will. As a matter of fact, I'll tell you this. Every single day, it's impossible to choose God's will without God. Without the Holy Spirit in your life. But look in John 14, 23 through 27. It is through Christ that we have the strength to obey Christ. It is through God that we have the ability and the power to actually do His will and not our will. In John 14, 23 it says, Jesus replied, If anyone loves me, he will obey my teaching. My Father will love him. And we will come to him and make our home with him. And he who does not love me will not obey my teaching. These words you hear are not my own. They belong to the Father who sent me. All this I have spoken while still with you, but the Counselor, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. You know what that says? If I can just paraphrase that scripture. What that says is those who obey me are mine. And to obey me, the Holy Spirit has been given to you to remind you and give you the power to be able to make that choice, thy will, not mine, on a regular basis. Today, when you leave here, even today as you sit here, you'll be faced with that choice. Am I going to do what I want or am I going to do what God wants? Now you can do all kinds of funky things in your head and say, well, I really don't know what God wants. I'm so confused. Well, reality is you already know. Reality is it's just a choice. Will I do what God wants or will I do what I want? And the funny thing is, is the more you do what God wants, the more you figure out that's exactly what I want as well. But it's always about choosing him. The king gives us the ability to make kingdom choices. He teaches us a different way. Peter had been schooled in a different way. He had sat and listened to the countercultural wisdom of the Beatitudes. He had heard things like the first will be last. He had heard that we are to serve others. He had heard the words, unless a man loses his life, he will not save it. He had heard you must be born again. He knew personally not to quote-unquote live by the sword. On and on and on he had been taught what it meant to live in the kingdom. He had been taught what it meant to live if you were proclaiming that Jesus is my king. But so often, even though we've been taught these things, so often even though we've been taught to be graceful, to be humble, to forgive, to love, so often we see in the very people that ought to be living that way out in the world, and sometimes we as quote-unquote followers of Christ are the worst. Sometimes we're the most unforgiving. Sometimes we're the most ungracious. Sometimes we're the most unloving. 
My daughter, my oldest daughter, used to work as a waitress at a local steakhouse in Parkersburg. And her absolute worst day to work was Sunday. Y'all know why. If you know anybody that's ever worked as a, as a waitress or a waiter in a restaurant. Because people who come in after church are the rudest, worst customers she has all week. How many of you have heard that before? Anybody? Isn't that a shame? Look around. Isn't that something that that's who we've become? Isn't it something that even in waiting on our food from a, my, my daughter was like 16 years old, that people couldn't offer her grace if she brought them the wrong drink or didn't get their food there on time or made some kind of mistake. Not my will, Lord. It's not about me. It's about you. When I go to lunch today, how would you act? To that 16-year-old waitress, Jesus? How would you act to that guy who pulled over in front of me in the fog on Route 50 this morning? Jesus? Probably not like I acted, right? But thy will, not mine, be done. Constantly making these choices. In Romans 7, 21 through 25. So I find this law at work, Paul says. When I want to do good, evil is right there with me. For in my inner being, I delight in God's law. But I see another law at work in the members of my body, waging war against the law of my mind and making me a prisoner of the law of sin at work within my members. What a wretched man I am. Who will rescue me from this body of death? Aren't you glad it doesn't end there? The next verse says what? Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Without him, there's no way for me not to be selfish. Without him, there's no way for me to live at some higher point of life. Without him, I can't do it. But with him, he can be my king. And not only give me the teaching of how I need to live and what I need to do, but give me the power to do it through the power of the Holy Spirit. So here it is. The king is here, and through him you can do all things. Nothing is impossible through Jesus, right? I know God wants me to forgive my ex, but I can't. Excuse me, all things are possible through Jesus Christ. Amen? I know I want to quit sleeping with this guy who's not my husband, but I can't. Excuse me, all things are possible through Christ. Amen? Come on, amen it more than that. Amen? amen? I know I need to quit this habit, but I can't. All things are possible through Christ. I know I need to stand up for what is right at work, but I can't. All things are possible through Christ. I know I need to serve others, but I don't have time. All things are possible through Christ. No excuses. He is our king. He's not our counselor who just suggests this is a better way to live. He is our king who demands thy will, not mine. So the response that Jesus is looking for out of us is that we follow him. That we are obedient to him. That we don't deny him and betray him like Peter did. But what happens when we do? What happened when Peter did? What happened when Peter answered that question wrong and he chose his will over God's will? Well, here's the great thing. The king we serve is merciful. Amen? Peter lived with another image in his mind. An image from that same time. It was the image of a meal. A meal that we're going to remember and celebrate through what we call communion this morning. 
he remembered that not only did the rooster crow, and not only did he deny Jesus, but he also remembered that Jesus said, look, take eat, this is my body which is broken for you. Take drink, this is my blood which is shed for you. For the what? The forgiveness of your sins. Look at Matthew 26, an account of that scene, starting in verse 26. While they were eating, Jesus took the bread and he gave thanks and he broke it and he gave it to his disciples saying, take eat, this is my body. Then he took the cup, he gave thanks and he offered it to them saying, drink from it, all of you. This is my blood of the covenant which is poured out for many. For what? The forgiveness of sins. Don't think for a minute that Peter didn't also remember those words. That even though I betrayed my Lord, even though I'm weeping bitterly because of how I've disappointed him, he will forgive me of these sins. That's how awesome your king is. He deserves your obedience. He deserves your correct response every single day. Who in the world would want to disappoint this kind of king? But when you do, he forgives you and loves you anyway. I don't know about you, but that's the kind of king that I want to serve. That's the kind of king that I don't want to let down. That's the kind of king that I want to welcome me one day who says to me, well done, thy good and faithful servant. Not because I did it all perfectly, but because every day I was striving and seeking to make the right choices with his power to do the things that he taught me so that it wasn't all about me, that it became all about him. I would like to tell you that I'm there, but I'm far from there. I would like to know that you're all there. I don't know you very well, but I'm going to make a judgment. I don't think you're all there either. <laughs> but praise God, we got a God that loves us anyways. That doesn't excuse us. That doesn't mean, well, just go out and do whatever you want. But what it does mean is he loves us that much. Why in the world would we not serve this king? Pray with me.